So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. All right, guys, we have a great returning guest, and I always get excited about these interviews along with Kevin Kaufman because he is so up to date on what's happening in the real estate industry and uh, what's happening around us, and and uh, conversations are always engaging. So uh, without further ado, welcome back, Kevin Kaufman to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Pat. Thanks a lot, man. Welcome. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I appreciate the welcome. Hey, uh, Kevin, why don't you tell everybody about yourself so they get to know you better? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Kevin, as you mentioned. So uh, second appearance here on the show, run a real estate team based in the Phoenix area, right out of Tempe, Arizona. We, we happen to sell real estate here in Phoenix and a couple other markets uh, in Arizona, as well as Colorado and California and uh, Tennessee, actually. And so we've been in business now for just over 11 years, kind of Got our, got our start in that short sale world and then sort of worked our way through that and, and into this, uh, into a little bit of a different market, right? You and I were talking off camera before we started about how things are changing so quickly and uh, we certainly had to adapt quite a bit over the years. And so now just working hard to, uh, to continue growing our sales team as well as kind of dealing with all of the noise that's out there in the industry. So trying to get our fair share or unfair share as it may be just recently changed brokerages after first 11 years of my career with KW and uh, having a lot of fun, man, having a ton of fun competing, not really competing with the tech companies, but kind of competing next to the tech companies. And uh, in fact, the room I'm sitting in right now, I had some of the, some of the really good guys from open door here just two days ago, we were having a conversation about how we can work together better. And so um, as you can tell, probably just by that, I'm interested in real estate sales and I'm interested in high tech. So I think that's probably why you and I get along. So, so, okay, so let me slow you down a little bit here, and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of your business in a minute, but so, first of all, you said, okay, so you were meeting with the guys at Open Door in your market, and that had something to do with the room that you were sitting in, so tell me about that. Yeah, so we had uh, the guys from Open Door here in our office a couple of days ago to talk to us and, and some of our agents, both locally and, and around the country, and some just telling us some of the stuff that they're doing and, and finding some ways that we can leverage some of their tools and actually leverage their ability to buy houses at a bigger level and really work with them. So they've got a kind of a per, premier agent or premier partner program that they've worked on and, and they've uh, graciously invited us into. And uh, there's a way for us to sort of benefit each other. And so we've been talking to them about what that would look like and We've certainly done a couple deals with them now over the last uh, month or two. And so just kind of building a greater relationship with them and learning about their business and, and their strategy and the way they attack things. And um, it's, been re it's, been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun for me to be able to see how they've evolved this company, even in the short four years they've been around. And, and so the way that you help them, obviously, is you sell their listings, you co-op with them, right? The way that they could help you is if you have a buyer, a seller that... Um, that may want to uh, get cash really fast 
you can refer to them and make money? Is that, is that where you're going with that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, so the way I look at it is it's a menu of options, right? And so if I'm a real estate agent, I'm going on a, I'm going on a listing appointment. Obviously one of the things I'm going to naturally talk about is the MLS and what, what kind of money can we get for the shape the home is in today? What could we get if they did a few things to, to make it a little bit nicer, make it sort of that top of the market appeal. But one of the other things I can add, and we've always had the ability to do this is here's what an investor might bring today, right? Here's what, uh, whether that's a local investor, somebody, you know, maybe it's yourself as the real estate agent. Maybe it's, uh, one of the, we buy ugly homes guys that you might know in your market, whatever. The reality is, is they're just another big buyer and they've got a billion dollars or so behind them. So they can essentially buy unlimited number of homes that fit their criteria. And so walking into appointments, we can go, Hey, not only do we have these other options, but I'm also in a program and in a partnership with open door. Here's what they would pay you today. If you wanted to take it, here's what that would look like. And, and, and how do you make money from that? They'll pay us for that. They'll, they'll a have, referral fee or what are they going to, I mean, they can't be, have that much fat in, in, in the thing, right? I mean, there's not a, there's not a full commission in it, is it? Oh no, no. It's, it's a, it's a much smaller commission, redu- reduced commission, but it re- essentially it amounts to a referral fee about 1%. And that is literally, they take it from that point forward. Um, of course you could also make money from a seller if you wanted, if they, if they wanted representation through the transaction, should they try that? Or should they decide that's the best path for them? That's one of the things that they've worked on. But so that's something we can do to benefit them as well as benefit us. No marketing costs, et cetera. We can get them into their next home quicker with a little more uh, flexibility because they can have the money when they need it. Don't have to go on contingency if we don't need to. Can essentially have the home under contract today and close at any time in the next 90 days. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, they're going to close. I mean, you could make you could make more money in a commission. Obviously, you could even double dip it if you if you um, throw it out there to investors you know, or throw it to a wholesaler list, or or whatever, and make a lot more. Especially if you double dip it, but you don't. You know, you don't know. You're not confident that that person's going to close, right? And, you know, with Open Door, they got so much money that uh, if they say they're going to close, they're going to close. Yeah, that's one of the good things about them, too. And, and what's really great is they'll allow the, uh, the seller to back out up to the, to the day of closing with no repercussions whatsoever, no fees. So it's, they really are working. One thing I've known is I've gotten to know these guys over the last couple of years, and especially uh, the last few months, is they really are working on the consumer experience. And so... There's a lot of noise out there in our industry about what's happening with these tech startups, et cetera. But I think a lot of it starts at, number one, there is a lot of money in commissions. We all know that. That's not a secret. But number two, there's, there's a lot of room for a better consumer experience. And what I've gotten to know from spending time at their office and just spending time with these guys, getting to know their business better is that's what they're after. They're after a better consumer experience because they know if they can provide that on a mass scale, there's a lot of money to be made. Well, yeah. I mean, it's always going to be a better consumer experience when you don't have contingencies in a contract, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, that, that's where the nightmares come from is all the, you know, the appraisal and the home inspection and the termite and all that, right? You know, you take all that out and of course it's going to be a better consumer experience. So, so that, that, that's fascinating. You know, do you, Kevin, you think these guys, you think uh, Open Door, you think these companies similar to Open Door that, that are buying mass properties like that, essentially large-scale flippers, will have legs in a down market? 
You know, they seem to think that they will. One thing I know is they've got a lot of data. They, you know, they've purchased thousands of homes. Um, you know, you look at some of the other iBuyers. So let's open door themselves. They've been buying homes in the Phoenix area for four years now. About three, 400 deals a month is what they're doing currently. And now, now they've gone outside of Phoenix. So I don't know what their total volume is, what they've done, but they've certainly learned a lot about their model. But I really look at the other iBuyers, like you've got Zillow, who, who launched recently. And we all know that they've got, I mean, they've got the biggest consumer brand, right, in, in our entire industry. And so I think that they know what they need to know, if, if it's possible to know it without sort of having that local relationship, right, that I have with my, with my sellers, right, the people in my sphere of influence, my past clients. Uh, we know that. So like Realogy just launched their uh, iBuyer program. Yeah, I, saw, I saw that on Inman. So, so Realogy launched an iBuyer program. Tell me about that and, and, and break it down. Like explain to somebody who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. What's an iBuyer? Yeah. So, you know, I referenced uh, We Buy Ugly Homes, right? So it's somebody who comes in, buys a home, fixes it up and flips it. It's, it's no different than that. The, the term iBuyer just came from the fact of it's companies who are using technology and data points to scale at a bigger product scale at you know a bigger number so the more homes they buy theoretically the smarter they get the more data they've collected the more homes they've actually valued the more transactions they've gone through the better they can do their job more efficiently i should say a perfect example of that is in phoenix where where open door launched about four years ago their average fee four years ago was like 12 to 15 percent so by far, it was a terrible option for the consumer in most cases from a financial standpoint only, right? It might have been convenience standpoint, it might have worked. Whereas today, here they are, fast forward a few thousand transactions, their average fee is 6 to 7%. Sound familiar? <laughs> like that's a, pretty, that's a pretty close number to the agent, right? What, they're, what you're going to make if you go sell your home on MLS. Wait a minute, the average fee of the iBuyer? Yeah, so the fee to close a really? transaction to the seller you know, so a seller, you got a home that you sell it for $200,000. doesn't matter who you sell it to. You're not getting $200,000. There's a title, you know, an escrow company that's got to be paid in Arizona. There's uh, different fees, et cetera. And then with the iBuyer programs, what they're doing is they're looking to reduce those fees as low as possible by doing it as smart as possible and not having to use as many people, as much manpower, if you will. And quite frankly, without realtors in a lot of cases, although they all have their own brokerages, et cetera. Wow. And, and so when Realogy, right, who owns what? What, is, what? what falls under that? Well, I know there are about 200,000 agents in total when you look at all their brands. So they've got the NRT, which, which is all the company-owned stuff, about 60,000 or so agents. But call ERA, 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 Century 21. Better Homes and Gardens, I want to say. Yeah, Better Homes and Gardens. In San Francisco, they own Launch. I feel like uh, there's a big one in New York as well, like Corcoran. Uh, they may own as well. So that, like, they're a conglomerate, right? They're a big publicly traded company, 200 plus thousand agents that... that what does, what does this mean to their agents and what does this mean to the industry? Like, what do you... If you just read that headline, right? Like, like uh, Realogy uh, creates an iBuyer program. What's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, what, what should agents listening be concerned about or not concerned about when they, when they hear that? Well, I'll tell you what goes through my mind, Pat, and it, it is, it's a sign of the times, right? Like, we've seen now, we saw OfferPad and Opendoor open a couple years ago and Zillow in the last couple months, and now this, 
I think what I thought is, wow, that is really a sign of the times. And there is a race to, to quote, figure this out, right? To figure out this iBuyer program and how can people acquire and turn properties quickest for the least amount of money possible and make a profit. And make you know, you know what the weird thing is? Like this is bizarre, right? Because you know, I, you know, I was a full-time agent all through the freaking nineties, and 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 I, you know, I was talking about this the other day. If I sold a house in sixty days, I was so excited about it that I would send out a postcard that says "sold in sixty days." Like that was a big deal, right? And and now we're in like one of the best markets ever. Yet at the same time, sellers are, are suddenly so interested in skimming even more days off the market. Like, right? Like houses are selling in record time. Y and you would figure that a company like any iBuyer company throughout the 90s or some of these slower times, you know, would be a great deal for someone selling their house. You know, not now. Now would be the worst time because, you know, it sells so easy anyways. Have we lost perception here? Well, I mean, think about it. How many, how many times have you, well, maybe you haven't, but I've heard plenty of people complain about being quoted a 4% interest rate. Complain. Right. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, when I got into real estate, which was, was 2007, rates were already low, right? Because we were right in the middle of the, we're not in the middle, but we we're at the beginning of the recession, the crash, if you will. And so for me, rates have basically been low my entire career. But I remember the interest rates my, my mom paid on her mortgage when I was a kid growing up. And, and certainly what a lot of the agents who I've looked up to and, and, uh, and been mentored by over the years, the stuff that when they came into the, to, to the real estate industry, you know, I remember it was a big deal when interest rates got under 10%. Now I know people that complain when they're quoted 4%. I'm like, it's practically free money. So I, I do think expectations change over time. And so back to your original question, Pat, what I, what I hear is it's a sign of the times. Things are changing. I better adjust if I'm going to keep making money in real estate. If I want to still have a real estate business, I better adjust. So I, listen, I'm not going to compete with the PayPal mafia, right? I don't have $4 billion in my checkbook. But what I can do is I can make relationships with these guys I can learn more about them and figure out like, how do I make money in between what they're doing, right? How do I get in the grooves of where people aren't looking? Like, it makes me think of a guy, I've got a buddy named Nico who owns an insurance business and his bread, multi-millionaire by the way, like big, big, big money. But he makes his money doing the policies that the big guys won't do. And so when I look at that, I go, what can I learn from a guy like that in that industry? What can I do in my industry? How can I still make money with Redfin doing what Redfin does, with Zillow doing what they do, and, and you know all the other iBuyers, whoever else comes into the market and down the road, how can I play nice with them and still get my unfair share of the pie? Brokers and team leaders, are you tired of seeing dwindling numbers at your monthly sales meetings? And I don't mean numbers as far as sales, I mean numbers as far as agents attending. Do you struggle with creating new and exciting content that will not only motivate your agents, but deliver actual results to them? Do you want your agents using proven sales techniques that increase their commissions? We've got the answer for you. Rebus University is launching a lunch and learn series you can purchase to provide structure and content to your meetings. The series has 12 30 minute trainings taught by me, and top producers from around the world. 
and specifically is designed to increase production for your agents. Plus, when you purchase these trainings, you will also receive significant discounts for the go-getters on your team or in your office who want more training and bigger results. So don't delay. Go to hybendigital.com backslash teams. That's hybendigital.com backslash teams or call Katherine Brower today at 843-749-9900. That's 843-749-9900 and get started with your Rebus University Lunch and Learn. So that's, that's what I look at as an agent. Now, I think most agents go, you know, I, I run a Facebook group called Next Level Agents, Pat. It's got about 20,000, 23,000 agents in it. And I think there's a, there's a few people, not a few, there's a good portion of people that feel something similar to what I just expressed. But I do know there's also a good portion of the agents who feel, I'll say, threatened by it. They don't like it. Um, and some of them aren't sure why they don't like it. They just think that they shouldn't like it because they were told that. They, they were told they should be threatened by Zillow. They were told they should be threatened by Open Door. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, is things change, man. Things just change and we've got to adapt, right? We've got to adapt or die because that, that's what happens to industries. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, you know, so, so many things come, come, come to mind. Okay, so you mentioned PayPal Mafia. And if you guys don't know who PayPal Mafia is, basically these guys that um, – attended Stanford University, University of Illinois, and they, um, the original PayPal employees and original PayPal founders. So you've got Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Reed Hoffman, who founded LinkedIn, all these guys, you know, they, some, some of the things, yeah, Tesla, SpaceX, YouTube, Yelp, all these things came from the PayPal mafia. So you mentioned PayPal mafia, right? You can't compete with the PayPal mafia. And that's top of mind because um, they've been getting into the real estate game recently. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, you know, some of those guys that you just mentioned, they're invested, right? They are actually contributors into Open Door. I'm guessing some of them are in Zillow as well. You know, one of the new startups I was was talking to my buddy about who who is one of the top guys for Zillow Offers. Uh, was telling me about Bungalow. So Bungalow is this new startup where uh, these guys are going out and they are essentially becoming the landlord. So they are leasing homes or apartments or whatever the case is from landlords or owners. And then they're subleasing to like 20 somethings on kind of an Airbnb model, if you will. So they're coming in. I thought it when I read it and when I first heard about it, I was like, these guys are just taking what Carlton Sheets did back in the 80s and they've just put a couple billion dollars behind, in this case, $14 million behind it and said, hey, let's go see if we can do this at scale and let's see if we can make a lot of money. So they might go rent a property, I don't know, call it two grand a month, but they realize if that home was rented out for 30 days of the month, it might actually bring in six grand a month, right? So what if they could rent it out for 15 or 20 days a month, could they bring in three grand, right? And what's, what's, that, what's that difference? Where can, can right, make you do it? They do, they do it with Airbnb, and then they also do it with, uh, just with, with people that want to pay for the better. I know a guy that does this in Texas. He actually buys the houses, 
and then, you know, rent it out by the bedroom. I personally have done it for years, but in, in a different concept of like college rentals, right? Where you, yeah. like I have, uh, have uh, four properties in University of Maryland College Park and, and I could rent, you know, the bedrooms out to compete with dorm room prices and get probably three times, at least two times the amount of rent that I would get if I just rented the house as a whole to a family, right? Yeah. Um, so it's the same concept, but these guys are, are bungalow are basically doing it where, you know, they'll go and rent, you know, s- 10 apartments from an apartment complex that might be sitting vacant and then they'll, they'll rent it per bedroom and organize it and have, you know, systems set up for shared utilities and all that crap. And then, um, take the spread on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like Dolph DeRoos 101, right? If you remember Dolph, like he was, a, he, was a, he was a guy that used to do a lot of teaching and I've read some of his books and listened to some of his audios on investing. But I mean, that's how he got started. That's literally how Dolph DeRoos got started. And they're taking these concepts, these things that have been around forever, and they're just going, how do we modernize it? And how do we use technology to make it better, more efficient, make more money and make a better consumer experience? I, I knew some people that were doing this uh, with Airbnb, where basically they would go and rent from a regular landlord and say, okay, what's the rent? And they'd say 1500 bucks a month. They'd say, great, there's a clause I'm going to put in here that says I can sublease it. And they're like, cool. And then they sublease it through Airbnb and, that, and they rent it, like you said, by, by the night. And that 1500 uh, becomes 4500 or 5000 and there's no risk. They don't have to buy a house to do this. They just have to rent a house. So their risk is only a year lease. What is that? Um, that sounds like Uber to me. Like if you think about like it's the Uberization of real estate, right? That, that's what's happening. It's, it's funny. I, I think about that and, you know, there's a lot of tech. We hear the word tech, right? It's like the, it's a four-letter word, tech, in our industry now. And because the Uberization of things have begun and the, the reality is that's what they've done is they've taken that Uber model and they've gone, Hey, how can we apply this now? Like right outside my office. Like if I just got up and walked over to this window path and I looked down at the street, there's like four scooters that I could take my iPhone out there and I could use my phone to start the scooter and I could go use this electric scooter that goes 20 miles an hour to go to the store or go to my next appointment or whatever I want. Um, and then I don't have to own that damn scooter. I can just leave it there. I can literally just leave it there and then turn on and then catch an Uber back because maybe it's too hot because I do live in Phoenix. Yeah, so. or, the ba- or the battery died, right? Yeah, yeah, no yeah. kidding. And, and, and that's a fascinating thing to watch, uh, that, that whole concept of that bird and, and lime because, you know, they completely uh, disrupted the bike share programs. I mean, there's people who had billions of dollars in the bike share programs. And then all of a sudden the scooters come out and then people are, it's amazing how lazy people are. They don't want to ride a bike or it takes longer. Or it's not as quick or whatever, you know? Um, well, those scooters are fun when you're on the beach though. I got to tell yeah, you that. Yeah, they're fun. I, I think they add that element. They don't, ha- they have that element, right? They have the, the element of fun. No doubt about that. So it's kind of fun, man. I, I think it scares a lot of people, right? And the truth is, I guess it could be scary, but it's not like we can prevent it from happening. So why not embrace it, learn from it and just become better ourselves? Yeah. What else, what, what, what else, uh, what else is new and call it scary or different or something that agents should be aware of and, uh, coming with tech, the four letter word tech. 
Yeah, you know, I think uh, at least so here in Phoenix, one of the one of the companies I keep hearing about is Purple Bricks, and uh, you know they they've now officially launched in Phoenix. I think I was just reading that they're launching uh, some other city in the U.S. as well. Yeah, uh, they got a guy. They got a guy from one of the top guys at Redfin, I think, that uh, to to take over their Florida region and to start running the Florida region. That's right. Yes, uh, the guy from Redfin. So you know, it, it's kind of funny. I think. You know, like I know a buddy, he owns a franchise in London where Purple Bricks has been forever, and he's just not concerned at all. They just haven't, you know, in order for Purple Bricks to hit their goals, I don't know that they're really going to affect me or you or any real estate agent listening to this podcast. I'm not sure that they're going to affect us. Why is that? Tell tell everybody what it is and tell me why you say that. Well, I'd say that because, number one, there's a whole lot to go around. You know, so I, obviously we're all in different markets, right? But I think of like the Phoenix area, there's 90,000 transactions that happen every year just in the greater Phoenix metro area. That's a lot of transactions. So there's a lot to be had. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't mean some people aren't going to get squeezed out, but I think the people that don't treat their profession like a profession are, are probably the ones that get squeezed out first, right? The ones that aren't great at being professional, aren't great at contracts, aren't great at staying in contact with their people. But Purple Bricks is just another company. They're using tech. They're a lower price cost to the consumer. Their whole play is to let's have a better consumer experience and let's do it for less money than what your typical realtor is. And they believe they can go in and essentially buy up a bunch of market share that way. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs about Purple Bricks, but it doesn't matter if we're talking about Compass purple bricks, or if we're talking about an eye buyer, the reality is, is there's a, there's a pie. It's a finite number. There's only so many deals to be had. And I think these companies are all going to go buy a certain percentage of those deals. Some of them are going to earn it. And it's up to us as real estate professionals to earn our deals too. And that might mean we have to work a little bit harder. We might need to love on our sphere a little bit more. We not, as my buddy, Jason Abrams says, we, the way to beat the computer is to just simply be more human. We may need to be more human and have more connection with our clients, more so than what we've had to do in the past to run our businesses at the level we've run them. That's interesting. And I love that, that quote. I have to write that down. The, the way to beat the computers is to be more human. And, and I 100% agree with that, right? That, that's how, you know, if you're an agent, here's the thing. I, I almost think like this, like there, I guess there's going to be two differences. There's one thing, if you're a, a brokerage, it's a whole nother conversation. But if you're an agent, especially if you're an agent without a big team, I think it's easy for you to hyper-focus on being more human and only worry about your business and how you're going to treat people and earning the same amount, or if not more than you did the last year and you know, whatever. Right. But when you're talking about large companies, right? Uh, I think that companies like Purple Bricks is a threat because they're going on two prongs, right? From what I understand about Purple Bricks. The first is a discount, right? So they charge 3,600 bucks flat fee. You put it on your credit card and you don't pay a commission, right? So especially if you're a million dollar house, your commission could be 20, 30, 40 grand. And here you're paying 3,600 bucks. The second thing is it's, they basically have it set up so that the IT contacts the seller, 
right? Uh, direct without the agent, meaning simultaneously. So if you put an offer and it's kind of like blockchain technology, you put the offer and it goes straight down the blockchain. It goes, it goes, the seller knows about it. All the agents know about it. You know, the buyer knows about it. It's all, you can just watch it right there. So there's no agents kind of like standing in the way saying, I'm going to massage it this way, or I'm going to read it first and spend 24 hours reading it, or, or I'm going to do whatever, right? The agents can't get in the way. And I, I do like that about it. I do, I do think that the consumers deserve to know just as fast as the agents know, and they always have deserved to know, but they never have. So talk to me about that. What do you think? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny as you were saying that it made me think of like, it makes me think of like the realtor and I'm sure this is none of, none of our listeners here today, but it makes me think of the realtor who creates a problem in a transaction that never existed because the way they read something or because they yeah. got by the cross sale agents, the way they said something or, or did, you know, whatever, like people find a way to get their emotions involved. You know, one of my good friends, he's a friend and a mentor to me, Matt Fedick had said to me one time is like, Hey, listen, when I'm negotiating, I never say my buyer or my seller. I say the buyer and the seller, because the minute I say mine, I'm now part of the tra- I've made myself emotionally part of the transaction and I'm not, I'm there, you know, to help them through the transaction, not to make decisions for them. I'm there to advise them and to let them know about what's coming around the corner. And so when I hear you describe purple bricks and cool stuff like blockchain technology, what I hear is a lot of that stuff probably goes away in a lot of ways. And it should, right? Let's just, let's be honest. That should go away. That kind of stuff should go away. We don't need people to create more problems and more drama than we already have in this transaction. I think the reason why they always talk about, you know, sellers get emotional because it's the biggest transaction of their life and buyers get emotional. Well, I think a lot of that is actually fed by the realtor themselves because they've become emotional about it because they've got a paycheck attached to it. And so they naturally act a certain way, right? They're they're holding on, they're squeezing on for dear life because it might be the only check they're going to get for the next 60 days. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'm just making it all up and pontificating or what, you know, whatever. But the reality is no, like, it's all, it's all going away. And, and, and if you want to add some emotion back in, I think as an agent, what you need to do is you need to, to add yourself, your human being back in, i.e., you know, meet with them rather than texting them. Right. And the same thing with sellers. I can see it, sellers and buyers. I can see it in the future. If you're a very, if you're a smart buyer and you really like a house, you should, demand a meeting or demand that the that the seller actually be there so that you can meet them so that you can have an impression on because otherwise it's becoming more and more where you're just numbers it's more like commercial real estate where they just they don't they don't might not even see a name you know or or whatever you know they're just gonna tell me about the buyer well how about tell me about the buyer's offer you know they're pre-approved that's all you need to know As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, 
and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I think there's a whole lot that goes into this and, and, you know, I've been using that word a lot, like just acting as a professional in our profession, I think goes a long ways. And um, whereas maybe for the last couple of years, that's been, that's helped us like stick out and do more deals. And I think in the future, it's going to be the thing that is just gets us in the door, right? Like that's going to be the status quo. It's kind of like, you know, and I believe Maryland's different, but like in Arizona, we have a title and escrow office and, um, you know, the, obviously the companies all want to get more, more and more of our business. And like the pitch used to be, but we have, we have really great service. Like your clients are going to love us. They're going to, th-. and I'm like, yeah, I know. But like, that's the minimum. But you have to do that and more. That's just so we can have a conversation. Because if, if you ever make me look bad to a client, like we can't have another conversation about doing business together. So I think as, as professionals, our standard has to continue to raise too. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to stay in the game. And I, I think that's what's happening. You know, I, I believe I'm always going to have a business to what that business looks like in real estate. I think that can vary as we get further into the future. But I, I know that I'm always going to have one. What, what about technology as far as how it can benefit agents, right? Uh, let's shift gears to that a little bit. Like what, what new apps or, or new software uh, is intriguing to you? Oh man, there, there's a lot coming out there. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you some of the stuff that I really like. So, from a, a marketing standpoint, something that's made our life a lot easier for our company, and, and we've got a lot of hurdles, right? Because we operate in four different states, so we're in different MLSs. Uh, we used to be in different brokerages when we were at Keller Williams because we were in we were in different, uh, you know, different franchises. And so now, uh, one of the things that EXP had that we really liked is their marketing suite. So we've got this platform that we can use to generate marketing that, quite frankly, is high quality, higher quality than if we had somebody on staff and we have had people on staff before for marketing. That's not something new for a real estate team, but it literally has reduced the need to even have somebody for marketing. It's, it's plug and play at this point. You can create- Wait a let, me, let, me, let me slow you down here a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay, so, so you, had, uh, you were at Keller Williams, and you had uh, an ex- expansion. You were what they would call an expansion agent, right? You had three other offices in three different Keller Williams franchises, right? Yeah, a few more than three, but yes, so different brokerages, different franchises, but all under the Keller Williams umbrella. Okay, and then recently you switched to EXP Real Estate, and do you still have those expand? And I don't know if, it's, if expansion is a Keller Williams word or if it's just a general word, but do you have expansion offices still? Yes, we do. So we, we still operate in different states. Um, you know, the difference is <laughs> EXP was born out of expansion, actually. The founder uh, is a former... Kelly Williams agent, former tech guy before that, that had an expansion business. And so one of the things that we really loved about EXP is it's one brokerage per state. So in a friend- mean he had an expansion business? He was an agent that had, just like you had expansion. Exactly. It was a team. He had a team. 
Yep. So he had a team in Washington where he's from. He had a team here in Phoenix. He had a team in California and uh, I don't know, a couple other places. And he got hit in the, in the downturn uh, in, in 07, 08. And so in 09. This is Glenn Sanford. Yeah, Glenn. So okay, yeah. Yeah, that's been on the show before. Yeah. So that, that's where EXP was born from. And, you know, it's funny that one of the things I, I got when I first spoke to him was, gosh, this guy's solving or trying to solve the same problems we've been trying to solve. And yeah, what, what, what problem is that, though, right? Because what, well, what wasn't working before? And why is it like, what, what do you mean by that? So what I mean is, so when a friend, okay, so, you know, at McDonald's, and I, I don't eat McDonald's. I don't know if you do, but I know, I do know one thing about McDonald's. The fries taste the same at all McDonald's. Yeah. And, they taste great, right? You shouldn't eat them, but they taste great. Yeah. That's what I hear. And so they taste the same everywhere. Whereas when you start talking about a real estate franchise, and, and this is not just Keller Williams, this is franchise period. When you have a franchise, you have different ownerships, which means with, when you start looking at real estate laws, that means you have different brokerages. And so you literally are in different brokerages where that creates a problem if you're more operating in more than one city. So, because be, not, not, so, so this wouldn't apply if it was, let's say, I'm trying to think of a not long and foster or something that is like, you know, corporate owned. But when it's, when it's a franchisor and a franchisee, you're saying that the, the guy in Arizona is different than the girl in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. So different franchisees. Different fees, different rules, like literally how much I get charged on a monthly basis for being there, what the split is, what the cap structure is. They're different. So we're at one point, we're in 12 different Keller Williams offices with 12 different fees, 12 different fee plans, 12 different schedules, some of them with the same operating partner, but different ownership groups. And so we're playing by different rules everywhere. So it's really hard to scale, really hard for people to be treated exactly the same. Whereas at EXP, it's, you know, it's one umbrella because it is corporate owned or in this case, publicly owned and everybody gets treated the same way everywhere. So as an example, uh, you know, what's really common in brokerages, at least in, in a capping model like a KW is to have a full cap for a, for a rainmaker and a half cap or a reduced cap for the other team members, right? Well, if you walk inside 10 different Keller Williams offices, you're going to find 10 different team plans. Whereas at EXP, you find the same team plan. It doesn't matter if the team member is here in Phoenix or if they're in Denver or if they're in Yuma, Arizona, or if they're in Tucson, Arizona. And that's because it's a, it's a, a corporate deal like, like yep. Long and Foster, like, you know, any, uh, maybe Berkshire Hathaway, I think. And, anyways, uh, um, no, that's not, not Berkshire. They're fran Everybody's a franchisee now. It seems Most like. are. Right. Most yeah. are. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of who else wouldn't be, but okay. So, so that's, and, a and so it's just one mothership and then everybody taps into that. But what do you guys do about office space and stuff? Well, you know, so I this mean, wasn't was that a big benefit to you. Was that the, you could uh, have office space and not have to sign personally on a lease in all these different Keller Williams offices? Was that a benefit? Yes. However, you know, as an example here in Phoenix, we already owned a building uh, that we operated out of. In other built, you know, in our other markets, you know, EXP happens to have a, a national agreement with Regis Office Center. So one of the co-work spaces uh, where you could pop into for free and, and use it anytime or you can rent for them at a discount. So in, in some of our markets like uh, Denver and Nashville, we happen to rent an office because we've got enough team members where we feel an office is necessary. 
that we rent office space from them. Same thing in San Luis Obispo, California, just not from Regis, just from some local guy that owns a building that rents to us. So that, you know, I think that is potentially a benefit. But when I looked at the benefits of both companies and what they both outweighed it, you know, or what they all came down to the bottom line, EXP just made more sense for us and where we were going with, with the growth of our company. And so, yeah, don't get me wrong, there's some give and take, but I also, I also looked at that as an opportunity because I do believe, like, to, your, to that exact question, Pat, a lot of people do want an office to work from. Not everybody. I, I'm the guy, like, I like to show up to an office every day and work, but I, I do recognize that not everybody does. But there, there are a portion of people that do. So I go, you know what? If I buy a building, I, you know, why can't I just have my own WeWork or my own Regis, my own co-work space that I can rent out to? And now I've got another business as well as my real estate business. And I'm even more insulated from any sort of downturns because I can rent it out, not just to real estate agents, but I can rent out to I don't know, lawyers, CPAs, et cetera. Anybody yeah, else? Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was just in Tokyo, Japan, and they had reworks, and I didn't know what the hell it was until I walked past one. And kind of cool, huh? One of the guys I was with saying, "Oh yeah, that's and and so you could just have like a gym membership, sort of, and you could just show up there in Tokyo or Phoenix or wherever and just grab a desk." That's exactly what it's like. Yes, sir. That's pretty fascinating, that, that, and and it works well. And like you said, there's a, there's always, you know, it works. It could work for some and others not. But the younger you are, probably the more apt it is to work. I know with Rebus University, my company, and this podcast and rock stars. You know, I'm in my garage right now, and uh, you know, we have nine employees now, and and most of them I've never met physically. So it's a virtual world, man. It is going there. Now, there was some controversy uh, recently because you'd spent 11 years at Keller Williams and then you put out this video and, and uh, Inman got behind it and, for, and started promoting it. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I, you know, there was, a, there was a video, you know, Gary Keller, who's been a mentor to me, and I know he has been to you as well, um, somebody I care about deeply. He, had, uh, he was on stage at, at the Inman event this July. And there was a lot of talk of EXP because EXP is just growing so fast and, and it's grown at kind of unprecedented rates uh, for our industry. And so there's there a lot of talk and him and Brad were going back and forth. And one of the things that Gary said was, um, you know, I wish the people or he challenged some of the leadership at EXP who were former Keller Williams folks to give back their profit share if EXP was so great. And so I certainly don't consider myself an official part of the EXP leadership but I do understand that I, I do take a leadership role in the real estate agent community. Uh, and so I just said, you know what? I was at KW for 11 years. I built a profit share tree, pretty good. Um, not bad, but I think I did pretty good with it. And so I looked at my business partner and we said, you know what? Let's donate it. I'm not going to give it back to Keller Williams. You know, Gary made those rules. He's the one that said you get to keep it forever after three years. So I'm not giving it back to him. Which but probably now it looks back as that that was probably a mistake. It should be. I mean, extremely generous. I mean, three years is not that is is not probably long enough. Not in our industry. Maybe five to ten. I mean, minimum, right? Yeah. And so, but I just, anyways, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I just said, you know what? I'll honor his request, man. I I love Gary. I, I truly do. I think he's off base here a little bit, but I'm going to honor his request, and I'm just going to I'm going to give it to charity. And so we said, hey, you know what? Going forward, because we do, it's vested. I'm getting that profit share check on the. 21st of every month for the rest of my life and but instead of pocketing it i'm gonna donate it to charity and so i had a bunch of people just tell me their favorite charities and we put them in a drawing and once a month we 
draw a couple charities names out and uh, whatever we got for profit share that month, we go and donate to those charities that, that get drawn out of the, we happen to use this little lamb. It's a little stuffed lamb. We, we, uh, we draw the names of the charities you, out. You put that on video, right? And people picked up on it. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. So Inman got a hold of it, and they kind of sent an e you know sent an email and put it on their website and stuff. And so so what does what does Inman do that? Because it seems like to me like um, deep down, and this might be a perception. But Brad Inman and Gary could be best friends. They could go hunting together and stuff. For all I know, but you know, I, I got something in my Facebook feed the other day, and it says you know uh, Gary Keller refuses to sit down at Inman conference, right? And I'm thinking, oh, this must have happened like yesterday or something. I looked at it; it's like nine months old. And there, Inman is paying money to, to put that out there. So what, what is it that, that, that uh, does Inman and Gary kind of have it out for each other? Or is that, is that know, just money-making thing? Or what, you know? I think that Brad and Gary secretly have respect for each other, but maybe just aren't the best of friends. If I, if, you know, and I'm, I'm speculating, pure, pure speculation here. Because the other thing I've noticed that Inman does is, uh, they also wrote another article with another headline about the exact same scenario that says Gary Keller stands up for real estate agents. So they took the same picture, two different headlines. It's kind of like if you watch CNN or Fox News when they're talking about politics, right? And so Inman's, I think, is playing both, both sides of that coin there, which is fine. It's their publication, their readers. They've certainly built up their community, and, and they can do that how, however they want. Um, but I, I think there's some rub there. I think part of it has to do with, with Brad and the people there at Inman don't necessarily understand the day-to-day -day of what it's really like for, for a lot of real estate agents, but they kind of like to sit around and talk about it and commentate on it. And I think also, whether you're inside Keller Williams or, or Realogy or Remax or EXP, like where I'm at, I think what happens is we tend to go, this is my bubble, right? And so everything happens this way and this is the way I do things. You know, one of the things that I learned, uh, or I should say realized when I started looking for a new home outside of Keller Williams, and I started talking to a lot of these companies that, quite frankly, I always thought were bad, I realized there's a lot of good companies out there in real estate, and I, and I realized there was more than one way to skin the cat, if you will. And, and so I started to kind of take a peek around and go, you know what, there's a whole world out here, and not everything happens this way, the way I thought it happened. And so I think you, when you have those different paradigms and they're, they're, they're clashing against each other, right? I think that's what you have with Gary and Brad. Yeah, it's fascinating. And who knows, like they could be best friends or they could, it could be just like you said, it's an AB test and they, they just put, and, and it is a, a publication. They do make money. And, and so as everybody does, nothing wrong with making money. I'm just saying that that's how news medias work, right? If, if the people are clicking on the negative one versus the positive one, then they're going to, they're going to run more than negative one. And so, so, but you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Where do, where do you think the market's going, Kevin? Like, what's your prediction? You you watch a lot of this stuff pretty. You know, I dropped my crystal ball the other day in my in my <laughs> garage. Flipping broke, uh, and so uh, I have. To, I'm going off old old news, but you know, it's so funny because you look at some indicators and you go, it's still strong. I hear my friends in Seattle, and I see our you know our team in Denver where inventory is starting to creep up a little bit. But then here in Phoenix, inventory is still getting smaller and smaller every day. Man, I have no idea what's going on. I think there's some things that make the economy look amazing. And then I'm listening to the Joe Rogan podcast the other day with, um, I'm going to forget his name right now. Yeah, Peter Schiff. And he, like, he thinks the world's coming to an end. He always does. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, right? he's been saying that for the last 20 years. And 
you know, you say that every year for 20 years and you're going to, to, it's, it's like the clock is always right. Uh, a broken clock is always right two times a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's the same thing. But now, and, but at the same time, I do believe a shift is coming. Yep. And, and I actually put some money with him in his uh, Euro Pacific Capital Fund. I opened an account with them. So you, but, so you just never know. But, um, but like, so you got your Facebook group, you got 23,000 members on it. I mean, what, what are they talking about? What are they most concerned about? What, uh, t- tell me what's new. You know what's fun is myself and, and my buddy Cody Gibson and, and my business partner Fred Weaver started it because we just wanted to have a place for a good conversation without a bunch of spam and about not a bunch of people just always selling us crap and quite frankly we wanted to keep it focused on real estate. So we'll talk about everything from you know growing problems with teams to prospecting to different marketing strategies. I, you know one of the things that we like to do is you know and and hopefully I can I can get you to do this is come in and bring our friends in like Jason Abrams came in last week and did a webinar on how to, how to really heat up the fourth quarter to make sure you start off 2019 strong. So we'll, we'll bring in our friends and our relationships to, to teach us, right? Cause we all want to get better. And so the whole group is built around a community of real estate agents, just looking to get better. And the conversations vary from, it could be an eye buyer we talked about today, but it might be quite frankly, uh, for sale signs tomorrow. And the next day it might be hiring agents and training agents and onboarding agents onto your team. You know, there's, there's, we try to keep the, the broker talk to a minimum because it's a no soliciting group. Uh, but certainly we have conversations on there about, you know, the different brokerages. I feel like it had at one point earlier this year and I was like still at Keller Williams was being accused of, you know, shutting out everything not in Keller Williams. Uh, when in the reality I was, I was in the process of leaving uh, but the reality is it was like all KW or versus EXP. And we don't ever want it to be a this company versus that company thing. But we do want to have conversations about what's going on. Because at the end of the day, just like for the consumers, for the real estate agents, this is a people business here, right? And it doesn't matter what company I'm at, Pat. And it doesn't matter what company you're at. You and I have the right to have our relationship and be friends and help each other in business the way we want. And that's really the basis of this group and, and why we started it and why we continue to push it. And in fact, the minute we hang up here, I'm going in there to do a, a Facebook live with a good buddy of mine, Reed Moore, who you might know, who runs a really great expansion business and going to pick his brain and share with the agents in that group what Reed has to share. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm going to make sure that I put uh, a link to it on your show notes. And since this is the second time you're on, I'm going to put it hybendigital.com, Kevin Kaufman, the number two, and that's K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, let's talk about your free gift, Kevin. What, uh, what's your free gift that you're bringing today? Yeah, so today we brought, uh, I brought the growth path. So one of the things that I've done is I've hired and trained a lot of new real estate agents in my time. And so one of the things that, you, it's one thing when an agent doesn't do the activities, but it's another thing when you're doing the activities every day, and I'll never forget what this was like for me in 2007 and 2000, early 2008. I'm doing the right activities every day, but I'm still not seeing the end result that I want, that, that lag measure, uh, that closing in, in our case. And so what I talked about, we kind of just drew something out to a diagram. We give to every team member on our team, and it talks about, hey, you go from, oh, I'm making phone calls, I can't even get people on the phone, to people are finally talking to me, to People are agreeing to meet with me, but they're not showing up to people are showing up. They're agreeing to work with me, but they're never getting in the car to all the way through. Now I'm getting people consistently in their closing. And it, the reason why we created this is a visual reminder of 
guys, this is, this is a journey and it's a process. It's not like, hey, I got a real estate license and I started making phone calls tomorrow and so I'm going to cash a check in two weeks. It's not how it works. This is a process. And so it's a graphic that we created for our agents and our side of our company, the Group 4610 Network, uh, that I thought maybe some folks might resonate with some folks who either have teams or might be a new agent themselves. And so it's a graphic that kind of just walks you through many different facets of challenges that you're Yep, so the challenges that you face in getting your business going. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see that myself. And, and so, guys, I'm going to put that hybendigital.com backslash Kevin Kaufman, the number two. And the name of the Facebook group, one more time, Kevin, is what? Next Level Agents. Guys, definitely join Next Level Agents. It's free. That's the amazing part about not only these podcasts, but also these Facebook groups, you know, getting a couple of them that, that, that just have a lot of activity and are talking back and forth. And it's amazing the amount of stuff you can pick up. And I'm going to put Kevin's free gift in our agent success toolbox as well, which will be found at hybendigital.com backslash toolbox, or you can text the word toolbox to 444-999. Kevin, this has been a blast, buddy. If I am in Tempe, Arizona or surrounding areas, I will definitely look you up, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. Let's uh, anytime you want to have a conversation, I'm up. So whether that's on we're uh, getting recorded or just you and I just shooting the breeze, let's do it, Pat. I appreciate you, your time. You know, you know something that we ought to do, Kevin. To be honest with you, I mean, so you know, we're we're a broker agnostic podcast. Obviously, we've had uh, just as many Remax agents and Keller Williams agents, and we've had Glenn Sanford was on. Jason, Jason, your um, CEO uh, was it Hornig. Uh, on from EXP, you've been on several times. Berkshire Hathaway, everybody's been on. I mean, I've had tons of you know. And you know, it'd be interesting. It would be quite, kind of controversial, but interesting is if we did a like a forum. Like even if I got, I don't know who we would get. If we get old companies or a couple of the new companies, it, it might be interesting to get a couple of the new companies get you on and. I mean, you could go, you could go Keller Williams EXP, but that might even be not even fun. You might want to do, you know, anyways, my point is, what if you got a point counterpoint with two or three yeah. agents from brokerages, different brokerages? What, what do you think about that? I think that'd be really cool. Let, let's do it. Let's get a, you know, I, I certainly know a few people at all those different companies as well. I bet we can get a few people together to have a have a pointed but friendly conversation about the the different uh, the differences in the companies, and I think uh, there is there is a lot of energy out there around uh, the changing of the guards and kind of what they call broker wars. And I think it'd be cool to to discuss. So let's let's do it, man. You can count me in. I like that name, broker wars. Fascinating. But at the end of the day, we all we like I like your attitude with it too. Is like you could, we could all learn from each other, and that's why you had open door. Uh, that's why you became friends with open door, and I, I like that attitude. And but at the same time, I think there's lots of interesting conversation to be had. So let's do it. Uh, I'll definitely reach out to you, buddy. And listen, best of luck with everything, and I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests. 
from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers. And I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.